everyone. Welcome back to the Programmatic Podcast. My name is Michael, and I'm excited to be here for episode six of the show. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. We have quite a bit to talk about this week, and I know that uh, it's been, we just published episode five. It's been a little while since an episode's come out. I've been under the weather and other uh, conferences and things have kept me from posting, but we're back and we are here for another episode of Programmatic. When we recorded episode five, we said that the challenge was going to be that we wanted to expand on the results of the previous challenge to do something with the information we scraped from a website. Well, I kind of did that all at the same time in that challenge, so we're not going to worry about that this week. We're also looking at different methods for doing the uh, challenge, and so uh, we're, we're going to look at that between this episode and next. So I'll have a challenge at the end of this episode, but the challenge... Uh, process just needs to be a little more streamlined before that can continue. So um, we want to make that work better and all of those things. So that's going to have to happen before we do another challenge. But don't worry, the challenges will still happen. They just need to be a little bit more refined. So that's where we stand on that. Uh, I am very excited because we do have a guest with us today on the podcast we have Taylor Arndt here with us, so say uh, hi, Taylor. Hi, everyone. Super excited to be on this podcast. I love what Michael's doing, and it's a great time to be on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, Taylor, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what you've done in the past, and what you're doing now, so it gives people some perspective as to why you're here and what uh, your interests are and things like that. Okay. Yeah, Michael. So my name is Taylor Arndt and I live in Austin, Texas, actually in the same household as Michael. And I've really been into programming. Of course, now you probably see me on the accounting front. That is right because I'm going to be an accountant, but don't worry because I still love programming. I still love tech, but I also love taxes. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to be an accountant, getting my degrees, but also I want to help talk about automation and programming and that kind of stuff. I really love tech and accounting, probably on an equal level. So that's kind of what I'm doing. That's kind of what I've done. I've also done some accessibility testing and all of that kind of fun stuff. And Taylor's done several videos on YouTube as well on these topics of, of technology. And she has built different things, uh, like different videos on using parallels, using VS Code, uh, using extensions, NVDA, all of that stuff. Yeah, and I'm probably going to be doing some more tutorials. So if anyone wants that, just A, go to my channel, right? We'll probably have it in the description and the show notes. But B, just feel free to let me know if you want some more VS Code tutorials and some ChatGPT tutorials and some other things, because I'd love to do some more of those if you guys want them. Yep. Excellent. So to start us off today, I want to talk about... Uh, a few advancements that we've had in AI. I recently uh, heard about a new program on the Mac called Mac GPT, and it's where you can use uh, Chat GPT on the Mac through a native application. 
And what I'm excited about is they have inline functionality. So I could be in any application and use a, uh, a little piece of code like plus GPT or slash GPT, whatever you want it to be, and say, you know, give it a prompt and it will write the response right in your document. So you could be, you know, you, know, you say, I want an email message with these results or write code uh, to, to do a certain thing. And it can do it right in line in the application you're in. This is really powerful if you're trying to write a quick email or say you're on the web and you want a blog post. Uh, you, you don't have to go and copy the, the code. And the neat thing is, I have not tried this, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you could tell GPT to write it in Markdown, the blog post in Markdown. Interesting. To format the, the post. And therefore, you don't have to write anything. And in fact, uh, for this uh, podcast, I will probably try to get ChatGPT to write the show notes in Markdown for me and get it to give all the links and everything else and do all the uh, everything that is expected just in MacGPT. So I'm wow, pretty excited powerful. to try it all that with the automation and everything there in uh, I'm, I would be curious if anybody listening to the podcast knows of a comparable windows solution that can do the same thing, because uh, I believe Taylor, you are a complete windows user. You don't really use the Mac. Yeah. And I'm really quite jealous of Michael right now because he's been talking about this. And now the reason I use windows primarily is really because of my accounting software. It really only is supported on Windows. So it's kind of a conundrum. And then Michael's talking about Mac GPT, and I'm like, oh, crap, I really want to use it. So, yeah, if anyone can tell me a Windows alternative, I would be very, very happy. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing that you can use, though, and it's called SGPT. And this will allow you to use uh, GPT 3.5 with the Siri shortcuts. So I believe you can even speak to GPT through Siri. Uh, so that is one you may want to look at. Yeah, but I still want it in my computer. It's kind of better. Right. But, well, actually, they have different purposes because this can, can actually look at your calendars and other things that you have on your phone and make recommendations and help you plan different things. So right. different reasons, but I think they're both very nice solutions. I'll have to try it. Either way, we're in a time where AI is just really taking uh, form. And, and it's very interesting what we're hearing coming out of OpenAI with, you know, GPT-4 having sparks of uh, AGI or artificial general intelligence. And it's all ha gotten me very interested to see what we get, especially the plugins. You know, certain people are getting access to the browsing plugin. Um, and... I, I've heard some people are even using GPT to build games. And so they'll have GPT talk to each other and, and build stories based on it talking to itself. That is wow. very interesting. So that is interesting. We're, we're really in a new era of what's possible. I mean, just think of game development and all kinds of things with that. Absolutely. The world has been changed by AI. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, this is a programming show, so we want to really stay with that. And you know, one of the things that um, I've really found that's important is that I want to talk about before we get to why we have Taylor on is to talk about organizing your uh, software development life. And by that, I mean, we've all been there. We've had projects and things on our computers in folders. We don't know where they are. Sometimes oh, yeah. you may have multiple copies of different things. And, I can relate. And, uh, you know, I, I was working on an app that I just released last week, the iAccessibility app. And I went through and did some house cleaning on my folders a few months ago. And I guess I deleted the most current version and I had another copy that was an older version of the app. So the one I ended up working on was an older version without some of the new things that I was adding into it. So again, keeping, you know, your folder structure very organized is very useful and essential. But the one thing you probably don't want to do is keep if you have your 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 code in source control, you probably don't want to keep it in a um, cloud storage folder uh -oh. as that can cause issues. iCloud Drive has been seen to cause some issues and, and others. Dropbox seems to do pretty well. But again, you could be setting yourself up for problems if you do commits and things like that inside of um, a source controlled uh, folder in a cloud storage mechanism. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But one of the things that I think is really interesting is that on the Mac, you can create a folder in, uh, on, in your home folder called developer. And it will actually change the folder icon to be of a little hammer, just like Xcode. And if you add this to the shortcuts in your sidebar, it actually has a specific icon that they use for it. And um, this was found on Mastodon, and it's a very neat little trick. But what I do is I put all of my stuff there, put everything in source control, and then put it all on GitHub or Bitbucket or other places. Then you don't have Mark. to worry about it being in um, cloud storage, and you just can pull it down whenever you need it next. Smart. Yep. Uh, and you can do the same in Windows. You know, create a developer folder in your documents folder or in your user folder. That way it's easy to get to when you're in the command line or other places. So I think with all of those things, you know, in, in Windows, you can you can organize your files that way. And it just makes it very easy to to manage. Uh, Taylor, what ha what organization paradigm have you used to organize your code before in Windows? I've kind of used the same thing. I've also seen that OneDrive has issues with source control. Uh, so just if you're a OneDrive user, also keep that in mind. And the other thing too, is that if you use OneDrive on your computer, like to back up everything, like for example, your documents folder, be very careful because what can happen is your documents folder can end up in OneDrive by mistake. So basically what happened is when you set up a new computer and you have OneDrive and you sign into your Microsoft account, then if you set it up where everything is in OneDrive, that will include your code, even if you put it in your developer folder. For that reason, I really recommend putting it in the user folder so that way it doesn't get into your OneDrive and get warped into source control and get warped into a big mess. So that's just something, a good pro tip as well to keep in mind. Yep. Good stuff. So, 
you know, going on to uh, really managing your applications, you know, we found a really neat tool uh, and, and it's really nice. It's called the Windows Package Manager. And this allows, you know, Mac users are all mostly familiar with Homebrew if you're a developer, but it's always been a pain. Where do I get my developer tools on Windows? And Absolutely. there's, you know, you could get them from the Microsoft Store. You could get them from Ninite. You could get them from, you know, the websites, all the websites that are out there. But that's a pain because you have to go and find them. And sometimes if you get them from different places, they work differently. So there is a solution, and that's the Windows Package Manager. You install this, and you get a program called WinGet, W-I-N-G-E-T, and it works in PowerShell. So you could type WinGet install space VS, is it uh, VS Code or Code? I'm not sure. It's VS Code, I mm-hmm. think, or VS, or WinGet install Zoom, something like that. Zoom.zoom for, Zoom for the Zoom yes. conferencing system. Um, and, and so it's very nice being able to do that. Valve.steam for, for that. Python 3 will get you, I think, Python 3.9, but I think you could specify the version you want. Uh, Actually, so Python 3.11. Is it 3.11? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of options that you get with this, and it's a good way to use the command line to install and update your programs. Interestingly, it gets them from the website unless you pick the Microsoft Store version, which does exist in a Windows Package Manager. Yes, and also installing it is kind of a pain in the butt. So when you first get a new Windows computer, Michael and I were trying to experience this because I got a new Surface Pro uh, laptop. And what I did is I tried to use Winget and it said it doesn't exist. I'm like, well, great. What am I going to do? So I went ahead and I'm like, okay, I try to Google it, try to GPT it, all the things. And it's like, oh, you actually have to install it from the Windows Store. So that's something to keep in mind as well if you're trying to get it on a new laptop that might not have it. Yes, it is the Windows Package Manager. And that's what you have to search for in the Windows Store. Right. So it is a um, it's a free download, and once you install it, it will add that functionality to your computer. So I highly recommend it. Um, I, I really enjoy using that whenever I'm on Windows because it just makes it so easy to get those programs that you know you could also do in Homebrew on the Mac. So it's a very similar application. So all these things are very interesting programs. Uh, you know, being able to install all of your tools. Uh, you, I think you can even probably get Android Studio. I installed Google Chrome. Uh, so there's a lot of options there. Yeah, and this begs the question, can it replace like Ninite or things like that that have the sole purpose of consolidating tools? I mean, I don't know. I also was able to get Microsoft Office as mm-hmm. well. So I installed Office. I think it was Microsoft.office or something like that. You can well, look up the codes online as well, like the Winget commands, the Microsoft Package You can Manager. also write a shell script, a PowerShell script, yes. that, that will uh, install all of your programs for you on one go. So you could just copy, like keep this in one drive or one place. You sign in, you run this in PowerShell, and boom, you've got all of your software downloaded at once. And I think that even is faster than Ninite because you're getting – everything, you know, done at once. And one thing I like about this compared to Ninite, you're getting the installers and you even see their yes. dialogue. Um, and I've been talking to people on Mastodon 
I think there's another package manager called Scoop. But the one disadvantage of that is that it um, this program appears to do multi-user support, where Scoop does not. Um, there's also Chocolatey as well, Choco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chocolatey is another Windows package manager. The issue I have with it is it's a little more difficult to install than Windows package It manager. is. And there's, I believe, Snap or something, another one. I've never heard of it, but I just happened to see it online mm-hmm. somewhere. So there's options. There's definitely options. But I think that the um, what you get with the Windows package manager is the best solution because, uh, as it's built in. Yes. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. There's so many ways of getting your computer organized and for development purposes. And, you know, on, I have two Macs, my MacBook Air and my MacBook Pro. And all I have to do is just create a developer folder. And there's ways, even in iCloud Drive, you could configure it to download all of your items from source control and then get all of your packages. So there are ways in Windows now and Mac where you can have source control be installed. Um, I think on on Windows Package Manager, you do have to install Git. So like when Git install, git.git, which is kind of funny. Yeah, Um, I know. And once you do that, then you could have your shell script bring in all of your developer packages and, you know, all of your code. So there's a lot of power in what we can do in in setting up environments as well. I mean, you can have, uh, you know, install NPM and uh, Node with Winget and Homebrew and just get all of that stuff going in, in less than 10 minutes, which is fantastic. So it's, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to go and configure all this stuff. You can just, you know, press type your shell script and uh, or PowerShell script, and you've got everything back to the way it was on a previous computer. And that's helpful because we do, as developers, change computers, or we need to test on multiple computers, and so that's very beneficial. Uh, so all of those things are reason why. Having a good package manager, having a good organization system is very important when you're working on, you know, your projects and programming and things like that. So do you feel, Taylor, that this has kind of changed how you use your computer with programming and beyond? Yes. I just wish I could get QuickBooks through that Windows package manager. <laughs> that would That's be all I'm going to say. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, that would be pretty neat. That's kind of our big uh, discussion for today. If you out there are listening to the podcast later and you have ideas of how to improve on uh, performance and organization of development, we would love to hear it. How do you develop? How do you organize your developer workspace? And what do you do to make sure that uh, everything is working great? Uh, Be very interested to hear you know, it, it's really a hindrance if you have all of your projects everywhere in different places and oh, things absolutely. like that. So um, create a centralized place to put this stuff. Don't have it all over the place like I have in the past. So uh, very, very useful information. So I think that's going to do it for our discussion. Um, our project that we're going to do for this time is... Why don't you figure out what are APIs and how to use them? And 
try to sign up for and get an API, if possible, through OpenAI. That way you can use it with MacGPT or SGPT. And we'll talk about next time how to get data from the APIs and give examples of uh, getting a quick prompt from uh, GPT 3.5 or 4 uh, as an API. Or if that doesn't work, we'll just get an API call from somewhere else and just put that as uh, the source code. So, uh, yeah, APIs, that's going to be our challenge for this week. And we'll next time we'll have the solution. So it's really good stuff. And, and I'm glad to be back doing the show again. I would like to thank Taylor for being here. I know uh, it's kind of a, a shorter show. Well, actually, I think it's about our typical length of a show. Yeah, it is. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting and uh, we'll have a good challenge next time. So do you have any last remarks, Taylor, before we wrap up this episode? No, not really. I mean, like I said, experience and experiment with your package manager, either on Windows or Mac, you know, and just learn to automate. I guess that's my biggest takeaway here is that automation is the key. So if you can make shell scripts to make your life easier, do it. That's kind of my parting words. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, at some point soon, I want to talk about the differences between different shells. Like what is ZSH? What is PowerShell? What is uh, SSH? What is Bash? And we'll we'll go into all of that on an episode, maybe even next time, because I think that would be fun. And uh, I'm just really excited to do these episodes. Uh, So thanks, everybody, for being here again. And I will see you all on episode seven. So thanks, everyone. And keep programming.